0: Thank you mate good man thank you very much you can take your seats after that introduction i can't wait to hear myself speak <laughs> so i hope i don't disappoint myself my wife jeanne and i we love coming to Redcliffe. like we were here about eight nine months ago there's a buzz and we had just so many good people have aligned themselves with this house the last two, three years. So we found ourselves here in just a sense of vibrancy of what God is wanting to do in your hearts. We're really excited. So it's a real privilege. So thank you, Pastor, Reverend Dr. Sam, beautiful wife, Carolina. And um, God's put something on my heart, but that'll come towards the end of the message for you guys and for the church here. So it's we the church. We the church. And there's a sense of God is wanting to speak powerfully to us this morning. I've sat in meetings like this at the beginning of a year and God has dropped something into my heart which has taken two, three, four years to unfold. So I'm hoping that is going to happen to you this morning. So Have you come expectant? I hope so. Turn in your Bible to Joshua 13 and we'll sort of randomly end up there soon. But I want to start with the Word of God. For some of you that's gone 30 seconds. He hasn't mentioned the Word of God yet. But there's a sense that God, when we read his word, it has a catalytic effect. It has the ability to bring breakthrough. It has the ability to mend broken things. It has the ability to bring revelation and insight into your situation. So if you were deciding to go to the beach today and all of a sudden it was overcast and you found yourself in the house of God, it is not by accident. Trust me, I believe that. So my family... We're like a road trip family. We jump in a car and we go somewhere. I think it was invested in me by my father. We drew regular trips to Sydney to see the grandparentals and had a sense of adventure and a sense of possibility. Uh, And I've adopted that with my own family. And we've found ourselves doing road trips to all sorts of places. I remember a couple of years we did a trip down to the snow and we're going down for dinner one night and then bang, a kangaroo just appeared in front of our car at 103 kilometers an hour, and literally the car stopped dead. And anyone ever been in a car and an airbag goes off? Man, there's this ringing. Ooh. But I remember just running across, my hand was across my daughter's thing, and I'd beat the airbag. Just, I don't know, what is it? Do anyone dads understand when you've got kids, you become super protective? But something happens on road trips. We did one through up to Las Vegas, and then across to the road, up and then up to San Francisco, It's just a beautiful trip, but those were the days when, I mean, I grew up in the days when you had a street directory, a road map. Now our kids have got GPS and iPhones and Google Maps, so they don't actually have to ask anymore, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? They can find it out for, them, for themselves. There's a sense that of going somewhere, if we've got GPS and we've got Google Maps, we do have a street directory, there's a sense of a plan. See, some of you this year have written New Year's resolutions. You've written down a plan. You've written a bit of a a plan, a journey, a trajectory you're wanting to go. Some of you decide you're going to start a business this year. Now, I've done a fair bit of business coaching and my accounting background. And I hope if you're going to start a business, you do start off with a plan. (laughs) The amount of people I've come to consult in after they've gone two, three years and they've hit a hurdle, and I say, can we have a look at your plan? And they don't have a plan. So I'm hoping today we're going to talk about having a plan and having a sense of going on a journey this morning. Because it's church, I want to talk to you about God's plans. God has a blueprint for your life. There's a purpose, there's a destiny, and you read 66 books of the Bible. There's a beautiful thread woven through. You cannot read the Bible. Every book is there on a particular purpose. Every book adds something, and means something, because it all links into the grand plan, the destiny, the blueprint that God has for humanity, the church, and for your life. And I'm looking at this morning at a particular verse because I want to earth us and bring an encouragement to some of us today. I want to, I want to look at God's plan to bring good things into your life. Right. I grew up in, a, in an interesting way, and I mean, there'll be other times we might get a chance and I can talk to you more about that, but having a, a very different view of what Father god looks like than he does to me now when i've been 30 years into my walk with god and when you look through the lens of scripture from the view of a good good father you see that god's heart the orientation of the whole way set up world and life is he wants to bring goodness life blessing and favor into your life he wants your generations to succeed he wants your great 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 grand to look back at you now and go, oh, great 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 grandpapa, poppy Dave. He walked with Jesus, and because of that, our family has been blessed. Now God's got a plan, but we have to work with God in that plan. Pastor Sam was talking about that before. It just doesn't magically happen. We need to partner with God to make this work. So we've got to have the roadmap, the blueprint, the resources to get on the journey and the destination that God wants us to go. But in the midst of this grand epic, and many of us have been spoiled in church by vision because we're always thinking there's a grand day and a better day coming. But I don't know about you, but sometimes on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning, you wake up and reality sets in. You see the word of God. Yeah, I'm called to prosper. I'm the head and not the tail. But then I have pain, paradox, contradiction, nappies, a bad medical report. A spouse who I loved and vowed to give my life eternally to saying unkind and nasty things to me. You're driving along, your car runs out of petrol. You get an unexpected bill. you get a knock on the door and you think, God, what happens here? What, what do I do with this paradox, this contradiction, this tension? The God the Word of God speaks powerfully into this situation. It's not like you can look up your life and go, Siri, where am I now on the plan and the fall and purpose of God? I don't have an answer to that question. Come on, Apple, lift your game. We'll get Josh Drew onto that, eh, Mr. Technical? So, there is a sobering reality check, but I love that the Word of God speaks into this. And over thousands and thousands of years, God speaks at the right place, at the right time, to groups of people of Him who are stuck, who've lost their way, they're off track, they're distracted, or they're just plain disobedient sometimes. And God's orientation is always, here's my plan, here's the way, walk in this way. His heart is to get you back on track. So even today, this morning, if you feel like you're not on track, God's got a word for you this morning to get you back on track because he wants you to get you on track to the journey of what he wants to bring into your life. Now I'm going to go to Obi-Wan Kenobi now, the wise man. I'm going to go to the book of Obadiah. I'm not being a smart aleck now. When was the last time you read something about Obadiah? It's going to come up on the screen behind me now. Obadiah 1 verse 17. Don't don't turn to it now because I've already asked you to turn to to Joshua 13. There's only one book. It goes, Daniel, Hosea, Obi-Wan Kenobi, then Jonah. Look at this beautiful verse. This is a story. God is speaking to a group of people. They're off track. And God wants to give them hope. He sees them lost. He sees them making stupid decisions. Does anyone sound like your life or my life every now and again? But God in his sovereignty in his grace sends a shaft of revelations through a man of God to bring hope to this people and say, the oppressors, the people who are holding you now, I'm going to do something about it. And then he makes and it's about the people of uh, of Edom. But look what he says this. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Possess their possessions. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? If, if you own something, if you have it, don't you possess it? And there's a key in here, there's a theme here that I want to unpack with this today. So you leave here with a key. that sometimes it's, you have an inheritance, you have a possession but you do not walk in it or you do not live in it or you're not eating the fruit of it or you're not seeing the full realisation of it. Wow. It's like we're living in the now, but not yet. I know because I've given my life to Christ, I've said yes to Jesus, I'm under new management, I've led him, he makes the decisions in my life and if you haven't made that decision, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this celebration to do that. But because of that, I now know that I am When I die, when time stops for me and eternity kicks in, I will be saved. I will be instantly transported to a glorious place called heaven. So right now I'm saved. I'm in the process of being saved, being made holy with God, and one day I will be saved. Now this is the the tension that I'm talking about. How is it that we possess our possessions? Because there are going to be times in life where you know that you own something, where you know it belongs to you, where you know that it is yours, but there's gonna be a gap between the reality of you actually physically receiving that. I tell you how that works out in some of your life. It's this gnawing feeling that there's gotta be more. You're happy with what you got now, but you know there's more. There's a yearning for something else. But because we're good Christian people and we trust God, we're satisfied with a satisfied, we're satisfied with a dissatisfied sense of satisfaction. We're happy in this season, but we know that the best is yet to be. And that's what I love about the Spirit of God. It it says in Ecclesiastes, He has placed eternity in our hearts. We are wrecked and we are built for another world. And that's another message for another time. But there's a sense of the best is yet to be. And my encouragement this morning is to help you to, how do we manage this tension of the promises of God, the reality of everyday life, and the regular injections of hope and revelation that God is wanting to bring. I want to crack the code today a bit for you this morning, is that how does this work? I know that I'm loved by God. I know that I'm called according to His purpose. I know that He's given me promises in His Word. I know I have a sense of destiny, but I'm still dealing with this tension that am I there yet? Have I really, really made it? So I love this beautiful promise that comes in 2 Peter, the verse on the screen here. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 4, says His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Verse 4, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world that is caused by evil desires. Why don't you turn to your neighbour right now and just say, oh, I have promises. Say them again. I have precious promises. Turn to your neighbour again and says, I have great and precious promises. Turn to your neighbour and say, I have very great and precious promises. Is anybody here's name's promise? My son goes to, a, to school with a girl named Promise. So there you go. I thought you might have been here today. See, in Jesus... We have a life of promise. We have a life of possibility. And that we're on a journey walking with God to live out, to appropriate and to possess the fullness of those promises. See, this church was built on faith and the promise of God. Some faithful people, long before we came along, established a beachhead here on this peninsula. And on a word of God, established something here and says, God, we believe your promise that you're going to do something great. Now, I don't know about you, but when you walk into this building here, there is a sense of God doing something good, and he's delivering on his promise. I want to encourage you around the book of Obadiah. That book was written probably 586 B.C., and literally in a short period of time, God's promise came to fulfilment. So the founders of the church here, the work here, do you think that God's delivered on his promise, that he wanted to establish something significant here on the peninsula? He has, because God is true, and his promises are faithful. Some of you this morning may be wrestling. As I was preaching this, I know I'll be stirring stuff up. Yeah, God, that worked once for me, but now what about this? Keep sticking with me this morning because it's got a fantastic close for you. We wrestle with these things, friends, because this is real and this is everyday life. I wonder if there is more than what we're experiencing right now. I'm wondering if there's more Then this verse came to mind about another intervention that God brought in the history of his people, and this is where we're earthed in Joshua chapter 13. To set the context, we've got 12 chapters of Joshua, 1 to 12, where they have worked God's divine mandate. They've been allocated a territory of land called the Promised Land. At the end of verse 12, if you've got your Bible open there, there's 31 kings that were defeated. 31 kings that were defeated in order for them to fully apprehend and grab hold of the promise that God had given them centuries beforehand. Given to Moses, Abraham was given a promise, and you see the patriarchs do the patriarchs, the promise. I wonder why all those millennia, all those um, hundreds of years, people going, is that promise going to come true? Is it going to come true? And under the leadership of Joshua, you see an effective series of campaigns. You see the central campaign, the northern campaign, the southern campaign. Chapter 12 records documents of 31 victories. Joshua is 100 years of age right now. Sort of guy who could be thinking about retirement. He's, he said, God, I've worked the promise. I've done the deed. But you know, God again intervenes in humanity and reminds him, I've got something for you to do. There is still more for you to do. And it says in Joshua 13, verse 1 on the screen. It says here, the version we got there. NIV, when Josh was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you are very old and there are still very large areas of land yet to be taken over. This is for those over the age of 50. It's not over yet, okay? There's still much more work to be done. Now a church of this size, I've seen church, I've done consulting, I've worked, served on boards. Churches like could settle at this age. You've probably got the money right, everyone's all right, everyone's reasonably happy. But you know what the word of the Lord for you this morning is? There's still much more land yet to be taken. Josh Drew, there's still high schools yet unopened yet. Are there still still clubs? There's still more work yet to be done here on the peninsula. What are the suburbs? Scarborough. Woody Point. What's another high what's a high school we're not in yet? Sorry? This word is where it's trouble. You go live with a crowd, you can end up. Someone says rhubarb, rhubarb high. But there's more more ground yet to be taken. And for your life and my life, this is the word of the Lord for you today. For you personally, don't settle. There's still more work that is yet to be done. This is the word for the Lord for your church. There is still more yet to be done. There's some of you wanting to settle in business, and we might just cruise for a while. No, there's still more land yet to be taken, because God is an advancing God, and His hearts and His plans for us are always bigger than what we always wanted to do. Now, can I just give you a quick idea just before that, or just after that, the 12 tribes are allocated their land portions and they've got to go then work them. Now, leadership is set up, it's decentralized, and what you see is an interesting story. While they possess the land, they still don't control parts of the land. You'll see one of the tribes, say the tribe of Joseph, still had trouble because their land was allocated where the Philistines were. The Philistines used to make iron chariots. You read the next generation book of Judges. They're still struggling with their sense of possession. They own it. They have the title deed, but they've got squatters in the land. There's a sense in, you read in Judges 6, it says, they could not budge them because the enemy had iron chariots. People of Joseph didn't do their job back. It's one thing to have a title deed to own something, but you've got to continually work the plan of god in your life those of us who are blessed to be married trust me you cannot settle there's always work to be done while you're married there is still work to be done to make sure you stay married i like what pastor pastor mark ramsey said in one of his relationships marriage if there was more courting in marriage there'd be less marriages in court boom boom did i deliver it as good as what he would but it's true, Like you've got to keep working the plan to maintain the possession. So quickly, how can we obtain the more of God? How, how do we turn God ideas in, in, into reality? And the seeds are found back in Joshua chapter 1, which was mentioned early in this meeting. Bible, if you're taking notes, Joshua 1, 1 to 9. There's a key verse there in verse 7 and 8. This is what Moses says to young Joshua. And he obviously did the work because 12 chapters later we see him... Finishing the work. He says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8 Do not let this book of the law, the Bible, the Word of God, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Some of your Bibles will say the word obey there says, then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. You'll eat the fruit of what God has placed in his heart for you. See those words there in verse 7? Strong and courageous. It's an inside job. It always starts off with a relationship with God and an intimate reading of his word and understanding through years, through through regular time with him. There's power, friends, in meditating on the Word of God and there's power in obedience. There's something about obedience that doesn't sound real sexy, does it? (laughs) But let me just bring out some of the big guns here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, said, only those who are obedient believe and only those who believe are obedient. Faith is only real when it is in obedience. How about this one? Pulling out the big gowns now. True discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. I'm preaching like Pastor Sam is now, eh? I'm dropping truth bombs on you. (laughs) How you like that? True discipleship is long obedience in the same direction? Yes. Here's a challenge. Eugene Peterson, reader, of the, writer of the message, had this great book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Said this: Our challenge is that we tend to reduce our Christian experience to just obeying commandments that suit our temperament and are convenient to our living standards. Oh. <laughs> I'm really conjuring Spirit of Sam, Dr. Reverend, Dr. Sam here, eh? <laughs> Can I say this? We need roots in our past and our, our discipleship journey to give our, our obedience ballast and breadth. And, and obedience only works when we have a clear picture of vision of what we think we're giving up to move into the, everything that God has us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Can, for the sake of time, can we just park this as a big idea? God rewards an obedient life. Yeah. I teach students in a discipleship class I do, We have a lot of fun. One of the big ideas is you get to the stage in your walk with God. And maybe for some of you, this is your challenge for 2017. The answer is yes, Jesus. Sorry, Lord, what was the question? Awesome. So good. I've walked with God a long time, okay? Obedience is the hidden key to getting ahead in life yeah. 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 Right. Yep. just let it sit there right? I'm helping you today turn to your neighbour and say he's hurting me turn to your neighbour he's hurting me he's hurting me can I say it's the word of God ok you need some help let me go to bible verse here let's go to um, Psalm 1 verse 2 oh, I love this Psalm 1 verse 2 The version we have on the screen is this. Instead, this is the people who love the word of the Lord in Psalm 1. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and they study it day and night. Always having the word of God in your mind. Let me find a version like the TEV, today's English version. It says they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and they studied day and night. That's the one I just read. What about the Amplified? He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. The Living Bible says this, but they delight in doing everything God wants them to do, and day and night are always meditating in His laws and thinking about ways to follow Him more closely. Isn't that a beautiful version? The Living Bible. Go to YouTube or version or something like that. They're constantly thinking of ways to follow him more closely. There is no better example in the book of Joshua than the first 12 chapters And you see, Every time they asked God's opinion, moved in obedience, they decimated the enemy. Yeah. They decimated them and cleaned them up in a holy purge that is, like, has never been seen on planet Earth before. But whenever they stepped outside it, they ended up getting smashed. Because God was wanting to establish a principle in them, and this is why over a hundred times since the promise is given that God said, "I will give you the land," I'll promise you, These was a hundred times where the promise is reiterated again and again. When you walk in relationship with me, I will bring my blueprint of blessing onto your life. And so, some of us have been happy, and there's been periods in my life where I've been happy to sit for 20 or 25 percent or 30 percent of God's favor. Trust me, any bit of God's favor is awesome. But you know the challenge is? Is we're challenged to settle for less. Dave Hogan, that guy who raises people from the dead, I think he's had 450 people raised from the dead. A friend of mine was talking to him only recently. And, and someone said, Dave, what's, what's the key? Why, why aren't we seeing so much more of that? He said, as a church, we just settle. We're happy to settle for 20%. Because trust me, 20% can be good sometimes, can't it? Any little bit of God is awesome. But God is always wanting to do more. There's always more land to be taken. He wants you to possess more of your possession. There's always more to be taken. Andrew, move on. Encourage the people around obedience. Possession and covenant. Like two sides of a coin. Possession and covenant. Possession and intimacy. Possession and obedience. They go hand in hand. This is how we achieve them all. Okay, let's go to Psalm 51. Pull out of David. I think David, David, David who wrote the Psalms, might be more powerful than Dr. Sam right now. Psalm 51, verse 12. Look what it says here. God, restore to me the joy. He says, what does he say? Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Which is the same as saying like this. And grant me, look what it says in the today's English version, and make me willing to obey you. So for some of you today, your prayer as you leave this place is, God, just help make me more willing help make me more willing to align my life with your plan. The message says, put a fresh wind in my sails. Another version says, make me willing to obey you every time. Grant me a willing, willing spirit. Meditation, thinking about the word of God. I'm going to give you an example of what John and I did this week in our our morning devotion, just to show you how this thing works. Look at this next screen here. This is so sobering. Here's a picture some of you think about this. This is the value of doing good study. If you, you know, you come to a time. I'm not saying accredited studies for everybody, but there's a time when sometimes you just need to give God a year and knuckle down and get your doctrine, your foundation, your framework sorted out. Look at the light blue. Here's the diagram. Here. This is the this is the promised this is the promised land, as was outlined to Abraham and, and to Moses. Look at it. Look what scholars work out. What actually what What Israel actually possessed. Look at that. The next slide, please. What does it say? Probably about 20%. That's why at the end of chapter 12, going to 13, God says there is still more land yet to be taken. You ever settled for 20%? Any stage in your life? Do not leave me hanging up here, friends. Have you ever settled for less then what is your full inheritance? Yeah. Those people had the title deed, but it's like bikies. You have to go in and somehow get them kicked out. There's people, friends, there's people squatting in your marriage today and you need to do something about that. Yeah. And God has got a plan of how to bring strength in that. He's got a key for you. Yeah. And some of it will be found in the Word of God and through obedience and getting some good counsel as well. So let me encourage you today in the context of 20%. God has got more for your relationships. There's more knowledge for you. There's deep intimacy there for you. There's more hope. We've talked about there's more community impact. There's more of we of the church. There is more of the best is yet to be. Let's go back to 1 Peter. It says here, these are the precious promises that you bragged to your neighbour about before. Look at this. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through knowledge knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. There's verse 4. What's the next slide? It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith the goodness, and the goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and a self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and a godliness brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's more fruit for you there. There's more connection with other people. There's more reflection of the Jesus. There's more ability to be like Jesus. The key point I want to bring out here is make every effort to add. This is the partnership. We've got to work God's plan. Kindness, brotherly love does not happen automatically. I'd love to be able to call people forward at the end and lay my hands on you and the anointing of God will flow and you'll be transformed immediately into a a brilliantly awesome and kind person. No, it just doesn't happen like that. God wants us to partner with Him. They all come because of internal victories of the heart. For the sake of time, I just want to move on because I want to get God. God's showed me some stuff for some some people here today. Eh? But here it is. Here. Would you give God ten minutes this week in the morning? God is wanting to talk to you. There are times where I feel like God's just stroke my face. Yeah, it's time to wake up. i got something to show you. I was in a 10-day, one of my 10-day fasts last year, and I really felt, God, just say to me, go to bed early tonight, champ. I want to get you up early. I want to show you something in the morning. Wow. And I remember going to bed so excited. And I didn't need an alarm to wake up. I wake up, and then God, i was sitting on the deck, and for two, three hours, God just mapped out and just wanted to show me something in the Word. And literally, my journal is full of that 20 or 25 pages full of, stuff that he just unpacked and i'm just thinking i want to live like that all the time yeah. where god is wanting to speak god wants to speak to you this week can i bring him some encouragement i want to really show you how this works because i don't want our time to get away i think the verse came up here luke 5 look at this john and i were reading we're going through the book of luke at the, at the moment and look what it says here i love this story is there another slide after that i just want to know just to pace myself yeah there is too oh okay Let me just just highlight it. We'll go back to the one where it says, Luke 5, verse 1. Here's Jesus standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people are crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. Pretty good for a preacher to be able to preach and then see two boats at the same time. He's thinking about something. And there were the fishermen there who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Here's Jesus leveraging his platform because God's, someone, one of his soon to be followers, gifted him with a boat. Look at this. And he sat down and he taught the people. Verse 4 When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I love this bit, because you say so. This week on Tuesday morning for 10 minutes God wants to show you something that's going to key to unlock something that is, is of concern to you. I know that you're a fisherman. You don't catch any fish, you don't get paid. But he says this, what he says, but because you say so I will let down the nets. Next verse. When they'd done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. <laughs> Funny, God turns up, it's like, God, I need help to manage the miracle. Can you not answer my prayer so fully? This this is the heart of God. He's, he's always wanting to give you more than you think. This is why he wants, this is why obedience is the key that unlocks this. Look at this. He says, He began to sink. I love this verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he felt he fell at Jesus' need. When you have an interaction with God, when you receive his favour, his unmerited blessing, it is sometimes hard to contain just what it does to you and makes how inadequate you feel. God, but that's not God's intention. He says, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the Simon partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything and followed him. You know what I love about that story? Jesus asked Peter, can I borrow your boat? Can you set me out? He could have have said no, I'm too busy. But because he was obedient to what God did, it actually unlocked the very miracle that he was looking for. There are things that God wants to ask you to do this week, not because... He's got nothing better to do. He is partnering with you on a journey to get resource to you. So he's going to ask you to do something that actually may seem stupid, but Father God, but you know, this week I'm encouraging you to do this. God, because you said so, I will. Yeah. Because you said so, I will. I of a story once of someone who went into a, a cafe and just got to go like this and go looking under a, a chair and look there and, and pretend to look at something under a, um, a drink machine. Didn't know they said to do it. They went and did it. And you know what? Someone in a cafe had been waiting. Someone says, God, if you're so real, I want you to make someone randomly come in here, go to the drink machine, bend over backwards, look underneath randomly to see if there's anything under there. God may get you. God got me to do something when I was at Bible college, pray for someone in the middle of a bank. I don't know what happened. I just was obedient. And I know in heaven I'm going to hear the fruit of the story of that. God wants to get resource to you so. It starts with you doing something as an act of obedience. God will upgrade that with a supernatural word because that's his natural business and you'll be blessed as a result. Let me quickly go to the next one for the sake of time. We started back in Obadiah. The Hebrew word for that, for some of you, it's only used three times in the Old Testament. those of you taking note, it's code Strong's Concordance, H4180. 4180. It has a deeper meaning around the word possession. It says, possess your possessions. That was the key phrase I started with today. Possess and get your possession. The word, if you look at it in its deepest form when you go deep, it's used again in Job 17 verse 11. And it's used in this context. The possession, it's like my hope, the desires of my heart. Even the thoughts of desires, my possession, my heart's desire. Another version says, "The thoughts of my heart." Another version says, "My dreams, my cherished thoughts." I want to bring encouragement to there are a group of people today that God wants to help you possess your cherished thoughts. One of the themes in the book of Luke is this: You've got Mary and Elizabeth. God's doing tremendous things, and it says, "Well, they, they treasured these things deep in their heart. God has got dreams and plans in your heart which you've cherished deep down in your heart. God wants you to possess those thoughts, friends. God wants to bring those to reality. I have a particular burden. We're going to pray in a moment for people who you've got children, especially young adult children who are away from God at the moment. There's there's big burdens that parents carry, but one of the biggest ones has has got to be children who are away from God, young adults. John and I at the moment, we've got that. We've got two young adults. We're staying another 10-day fast this week because we are not going to let them go, in Jesus' name. And I, this is a promise for us. We're sharing a promise with you because we're all in this together. That God has got much more. And I'm going to make a demand on that promise. And tomorrow, this, to say, we said before, t- today, that God has got much, land, much more land for you to take. But sometimes your promises are voice activated. You need to speak them out and claim, with God, you said... At your word, I did this. God, I'm making a claim. I'm making a demand on that. I, I, I want to I see that. God, I want to see that with my four eyes. I want to see your promise at work. And I want to see you at work. And I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I love that. I love that sense of sort of grabbing that contagiousness. So that's, we're praying for that, the deepest eyes and the deepest eyes in your heart. More desires. Okay, 2 Kings 2, 19 and 22. You guys want to read this and talk about this this week at your soul night? 2 Kings 2, 19 to 22. The story comes. They're looking for a man of God. The city is well situated, but the water is bad. And the man of God brings a new bowl and makes the water clean. That's a whole message in its own sight. But I, as I was praying for you guys this week, I sensed there is new things that need to be done. There's parts in this city where things aren't right and people are going to come to this church to look for solutions and you're going to have a new bold mantle on your church you're going to come up people are going to be looking to you even civic leaders saying what what people of god please advise us what do we need to be doing on this because there's some part of the city that's not right okay so anyway you guys work that out You're people of the word here's the next one two kings 3, 11 to 12. This all just came to me as a flood for you guys. King Jehoshaphat, he's needing a man of God, and he says this in 2 Kings 3, 11. Is there anybody we can consult? Might as well turn to it now, because this is on the church, this is the word of the Lord. 2 Kings 3, he says down the bottom, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may acquire of the Lord through him? Friends, there are people who've got questions, and they're asking, is there anybody of insight who can give us some intelligence on this? And look at the next verse. Je- the Jehoshaphat said, the word, of the, they mentioned the name, oh, why don't we get this guy called Elijah, um, Elisha? And this is what it said, his reputation was, the word of the Lord is with him. And they said, let's go get him. We need to get him and consult him. There's a sense, when I was praying, the service said, what does this mean? There are people in our world who are looking for godly wisdom they're crying out and they're saying, who is it who can help us? Is there the names of people in this church? Is that the name? Oh, get Bruce. He's known for this. Get get Charlie. I I sense when I was praying here for you people this morning that some are looking for a word for 2017, but there's a couple of people here. You're getting something here this morning which you're going to use in the next two, three years and you're going to see the fruit of it in 2020. God's God's doing something, and for some of you, that word might apply to you now, which is you need to position yourself and prepare yourself. When a situation is mentioned, they go, oh, let's get him involved. Does this sound familiar like the story of Joseph? The king, Pharaoh, has a dream. Who is it who can interpret dreams? Oh, we know a guy called who? Joseph. So who are they going to call? someone in the city, someone's got a business problem, someone's got a problem with their family, who are the people of wisdom, who are the people, I'm sure they're sitting in here, but I reckon some of you are sitting in seed form, and believe, I want some of you to make a declaration in your heart today, I want to be that person, I want to be that person, some of you need to be trained and prepared for that, some of you this way, you consider, write this thing about study you're going to be doing, you need to be thinking about God, what do I need to do, I started off doing accounting training, and spent the first 10 years of my life while doing ministry in church doing accounting training. That business training has stood me in such good stead for an acceleration. Yeah. So of course I work in the ministry college. My job is not to sell you a Bible college course. My job is to encourage you to do what God wants you to do. And for some of you, you might come into ministry a little bit later. All right, that's good advice. Well, that, that's worth paying tithes and offerings this morning just to get that bit of advice. Free bit of coaching. Uh, what do we got here? Sam and Carolina. I saw something for you guys. I got this thought, and then I realised it comes out of the book of Samuel. I worked it out later. I, I, I didn't force this one, okay? <laughs> this is for, although it's in the book of Samuel and it relates to Samuel, this is for both of you guys, okay? I had a sense of you guys have positioned yourself in the house of God like Samuel was. His mother, like a miracle, a miracle happened. You guys are an awesome couple. Everyone says awesome stuff about you, so it's, it's not obvious. It, I mean, it's obvious, but God's you going to do something special here. It said, each year, you look at 1 Samuel 2, verse 19, each year, Samuel's mum brought him a new coat and delivered it to the temple. I sense this. Every year, what's your life? You've been given a new mantle, like a new coat every year. And you're almost like you get given the coat for that year. You know, and you, I wonder the first time if you put it on, it's like, oh, it's a bit big. You know, can we I don't know this but by the end of the year, you've grown into it and you, next year you need a new coat. I'm sensing for you this year, you, God's giving you a new coat this year and when you when you try it on, you're gonna how's this how's this gonna fit? But God's favor is rolling out over your life and so it's January and a new coat's arrived, so all the best trying on that new coat. But well, what I love, one chapter later in 1 Kings 2, 3, 19, it says, God makes his promise that none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. It almost like speaks of increasing influence, yeah. that, that nothing you say will drop or fall away. So you've got the new coat, this expanding mantle, your voice is increasing in authority, you're increasing in influence. So be blessed by that. Let's, let's just affirm our pastors right now and just... <laughs> Yeah, God really honours leadership. I tell you what, every dollar invested in leadership, everybody benefits, eh? been part of churches where leadership's just gone haywire and the whole place is a mess, So, You guys are in good hands here. Do you want me to pray for you? Let's all stand, shall we? Let's stand. I want to bless you. Can I bless you? Bless you. As our heads are bowed, let's go back to Obadiah 117. Possess the possessions possess the possession let me ask you a couple of rhetorical questions here i'm just wondering this morning as a result of our time is it time for you to make a resolution this morning to reoccupy your land to claim your inheritance to receive a healing to believe again for breakthrough in a tough area if you'd like me to pray for you, I'd love you to, while our heads are closed, why don't you all just raise your right hand, and I'm going to bless you right now. If you want to be included in a prayer and say, God, I want the miracle, saving power of God in this in, in a situation. I want more. I want more. God, you see hearts. You see hands raised in Jesus' name. So I pray as we walk into a new year, God will no longer be content. God, I pray you'll make us more willing. Make us more obedient, I pray, God. Help us to yearn and hunger for your presence, time with you every day. God, help us as we make every effort to add to our faith, to do our bit, to partner with you. God, help us to open up a fresh line of communication, to challenge with you. God, we resolve today as your people, City Point, Redcliffe. We don't want to be 20 percenters. We want to be more. God, help us to possess more territory, to work the blueprint, to work the journey. God, you see our hearts. You see our hands. God, I bless the people right now like you did in number six. God, bless you and keep you. God, smile on you and gift you. God, you look you full in the face and make you prosper. In Jesus' name. So while our heads are still bowed, one of the favorite things I get to do is to help people get right with God. I love doing this. And every Sunday, there are people who walk into church and they're struggling with stuff. All you have to do, friend, is say yes to Jesus. You are the son of God. You can set us free. God, I want to be part of your family. So number one, it can be the first time this morning that you say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're visiting today. Maybe you come last week to the anointing service. The challenge, friends, is just reach out to God in simple faith. Say, God, I want you to come into my life, cleanse me, forgive me, and change me. There's a second group of people here this morning. You may need to come back to God because you've let sin spoil your life or you've let slackness overtake some area and you need to get right with him this morning and come back to him. Every Christian, can you pray right now, please? Help people experience the miracle of God's grace and favour. It's going to happen this morning, friend. It is an absolute miracle. If that's you in this place this morning, Holy Spirit has already been talking to you about your relationship with God even before you walked into this building this morning. So you already know whether you need to say yes to Jesus. Holy Spirit's been hovering. He's been convicting and convincing you of your need for Jesus. So you don't need me to do that or even to twist your arm right now. I want you to simply pray where you are right now, where you stand. Pastor Andrew, I want you to pray for me now. If you want to get right with God, why don't you slip up your hand? I'm going to look out. If you want to give your heart to Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand up the back. I see that hand over there. Anybody else want to say yes to Jesus this morning? I want to receive that miracle of God. Give me a wave. Anybody else? Out there. I see those hands. Yep, I see that other one over there. Well done. God, you're awesome. God, thank you. People are experiencing your miracle of salvation. I want you to pray with me now. You want to say yes to Jesus to break the power of sin and the power of the devil over your life now in Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray. Pray after me. Dear God, I don't understand it all yet, but I believe you love me and made me for your purposes. I'm sorry that I've lived for myself instead of you. And I ask for your forgiveness I need a fresh start. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Please help me to learn to love you and trust you and live my life for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, friends, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you Pastor Andrew. How good was that? Awesome. Well Bible College looks like it's in good hands.